to the Husker Cuscast Sports Show. I'm your host, Patrick, and with me are my cohort co-host cousins, the Transformers, Transformers 3 and Transformers 4, to my Transformers 2, yeah, Derek, Justin, and Tyler. We are recording this episode on June 21st, 2017. We got lots of news coming out of Lincoln. Who said it was a sleepy town? I didn't. And we're going to get right into that in a moment. But first, a reminder that we do like our feedback from our listeners, so please listen uh, please visit us and post on our Facebook page. Follow us on Podbean and Twitter, and you can find previous episodes available on iTunes. And with that, we're going to get right into it with our top news. Keyshawn Johnson Jr. is off the Huskers for disciplinary reasons following his last dance with Mary Jane. But according to reports, he may be back on the squad in January. Now, you know, I have I, I, my officially uh, licensed Huskers hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Guide, and it's told me not to panic. But, Tyler, what exactly does this mean for the team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think first and foremost, I mean, obviously there's something going on with him, whether it's maturity or he has other issues. So, first of all, I, I want to say I, I'm very hopeful that – you know, he gets his life figured out and he can come back into Nebraska as a quality member. But, you know, to your question, Patrick, I think if you look at this season, uh, I don't know how big of an effect it's going to have on the roster. I mean, you know, I, we said this last week. I, I'm not convinced that he was a big part of the 2017 Huskers game plan. Uh, I think this is a kid that, you know, down the road, hopefully factored in. But I, I don't see him being a big part of this team to begin with. And so I don't think his loss is going to affect much, except maybe the depth at the wide receiver position. I think that's where the area is. If injuries start occurring, you know, where does this team go for backup wide receivers? Um, Derek, do you think this kind of submarines the game plan, so to speak, for Nebraska? Or do you think they'll still be able to stay on task as far as implementing their offense? Well, yeah, that's such a tough question. I mean, there's so many different factors that can come into this. Obviously, if you get have injuries in the wide receiver and you have no one to go to, you're probably going to start leaning a little more in a run game. That wouldn't be too bad. But at the same time, if our offensive line doesn't block better for the run game, then what do you do? I mean, I and right now, from what I've seen the last two years out of our offensive line, that run that pass or the run blocking doesn't seem as good as what it probably should be. But there's always room for improvement, and hopefully they can do it this year because they're going to have to get that run game going just to offset, even if they want to become more of a pass-happy team. But again, a lot of it's going to come down to health reasons. I mean, can our big guys stay healthy? How long is uh, Stanley Morgan going to be suspended for us? Could be yeah. a big question. Uh, who else is going to get in trouble? How many more people are we going to lose? I mean, we just lost Greg Simmons the day after Keyshawn. Well, uh, that's I mean, not when anyone else gets in trouble. Uh, but, uh, Justin, uh, the team is a question mark, but what do you think about the culture of Nebraska right now? Because we've already got, I mean, this is looking like a trend, don't you think? Yeah, it's not looking good as the culture there. Uh, you know, for one, I can't believe that we're talking so much about a guy who's never even played a snap. Uh, for Nebraska, Keyshawn Johnson's getting a lot of news, and it's not good news. Uh, his dad refers to like party time, you know, and how uh, you know you don't. His son should not embarrass the University of Nebraska, Coach Riley, and the family. And I kind of applaud Keyshawn Senior for what he did. 
You know, let, let's not forget these two kids, him and his roommate, Gebbia, they should be in high school. You know, they, they should be finishing up high school this past few weeks. They shouldn't be in college. And I don't know what this is going to do down the road with future recruits on how that's going to be handled coming in. You know, I, I don't know if this is one of those things where, hey, you know, just enjoy your senior year with the maturity level, right? Keyshawn pulled Keyshawn. Keyshawn Sr. pulled Jr. out for maturity reasons. And, you know, it kind of helps when a kid that with a golden credit card goes to college when he should still be in high school and he's just parting it up, having a, a time. I am curious to see what actually transpired to make that decision for Sr. to come and say, hey, it's time to come home, you know. Is it just the pot thing, or was there truly more to it than that? Was he showing up to uh, conditioning hungover? Yeah. Skipping? Was he skipping conditioning? Yeah. Was he not fully committed? There's a lot of answers. I don't believe it is just a pot thing that uh, his dad just pulled him out of school. That is pretty darn severe right there. That is as severe as you can expect from any parent. Uh, to Keyshawn Johnson Jr.'s credit, he did have a tweet that said, sometimes you have to take a step back before you can take a step forward. So, His dad said that. Uh, as far as I know, I thought, was it was that on his dad's Twitter? It was a se- it was senior. It, it was Keyshawn Sr. And, I, and you know, you, I think when you think of Keyshawn Johnson, a lot of people think, you know, here's NFL star, he's Hollywood, he's big time. You know, what, I, what I've seen from this whole process is how much respect I've gained from Keyshawn Sr. You know, it, it would be very easy for him to go and say, you know what, my son doesn't need Nebraska. He can go to USC. They'll take him in a heartbeat. We yeah. want him. I mean, this is my school. God, he's on Twitter right now, probably in a USC shirt. You know, I mean, Keyshawn Johnson is senior. And, and the respect he has for Mike Riley, the respect that he has for – you know, college football in general about what you need to do. You know, a lot of that he said is from Bill Parcells. I mean, Keyshawn Johnson is a grounded person who believes in hard work and dedication. And, and again, I don't know where his son's at. And, and you know, when I was 18, I wasn't a saint either. And I don't know if you put me in that role with the fame that he had and the access that he had. Would I have acted any different? I don't know. But what you hope is, you know, he gets it figured out. But I think the question is, you know, Justin, you brought this up, um, is, is future recruits. I mean, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. spearheaded the Calabasas movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this, what we see right now, Mike Riley obviously has cultivated a lot of success, but Keyshawn Johnson Jr. was a big, big contributor to that. And you look at people on the roster right now, Tristan Gibbia, does he think about transferring if his boy's not there? Does Bookie, does he all of a sudden start saying, huh, well, my Calabasas crew is kind of fading up in Lincoln. Oh, wait, they had a seven-win season this year. Do I fade now? I mean, you, you really look at this future of this program, and is this going to be an isolated incident, or is there going to be long-term ramifications for future prospects because of it? A chain reaction. You know, one domino falls, the other one falls, and so forth. Derek, um, is there something being lost in translation as far as Riley and his communication with the players? Uh because disciplinary issues, and even if it is pot, you know, it could lead to other things down the line. Well, I, I, you know, it's it's a scary thought to think that Riley's losing this team already. 
But I think it's a little too early to say that yet. Uh, but it's starting to lean that way. I mean, it's it's definitely a scary thought. I mean, where where are the, all these guys? Where where are their heads at right now? I mean, are they truly focused on the team? Are they truly focused on the season? In other words, uh, Justin. I don't think that Riley is losing the team. I mean, if you look at these infractions, you know, it is probably concerning maybe that there's that many marijuana uh, infractions that they're terrible about hiding it. But, you know, we're not having any of the serious uh, incidents. You know, you're not seeing any assaults. Sexual assaults is the big thing that's in college athletics right now. We're not seeing any of those types of incidents. And if we're just going to, you know, say that the culture's bad for marijuana, I'm I'm okay with that if three guys get busted. Okay, I mean, I, that is not the worst. That's even never happened at Nebraska. So I wouldn't say that Riley's losing the team by no means. Uh, well, Tyler, so Justin, word. Ju- yeah, Justin, so what I want to ask you, and I guess Derek too, is, you know, my concern isn't, you know, Riley, you know, is he losing the team for the buy-in point? But has this team maybe... Are, are they taking this season as seriously as we would want them to? You know, th- I think that's the concern. Are, are they buying into this fact that, shit, we're about two years out from being really good, and they're kind of walking into this season not with a championship mentality. Are, are they going into the season a little lax? I mean, we heard so much during spring ball about Bob Diaco and the intensity, but, you know, that's media talk. I mean, I, my guess question to you guys is, is you know, does this – do these disciplinary actions where I agree, they're not that serious. But you listen to the media reports, you listen to all this stuff. Are, are you starting to sit there and say, God, maybe we aren't that good and everyone knows it but us? <laughs> that is my fear right there. I truly fear that that we are just overly optimistic homers, you know, that we just think everything's fine and dandy and everything is going to be championships. You know, we're on the cusp. Yeah, I do question that. Maybe the players don't really have the drive to excel to, you know, there's an Alabama level, an Ohio State level of competitiveness. Maybe they're just going through the motions just to put, just to put out a product, you know. They're going to do the best they can, but that, that is a scary thought. Thanks for putting that in there. I mean, that's, what about senior leadership? Isn't this where senior leadership comes in? And they but what seniors do we have? Stanley what, Morgan. He's yeah. a junior. Well, okay. Well, but we don't have senior leadership. We that's the thing is, you know, we look at this roster right now and and Derek, I'm going to bring up one of your favorite topics, but Bo Pelini, you know, Bo Pelini on that team was so much of the disciplinary factor. It the culture wasn't the team self-regulating from what I saw from the outside. It, it was so much the coach did the disciplinary. He was going to rip you your head off and now you're seeing one of his last senior classes come through and a, do they have that in them? Did they, were they cultivated under that? And B are, is, are there enough talent out there to get the respect? I mean, Keyshawn Johnson jr. Was a higher prospect than half the seniors on this roster. I mean, these guys, do they respect these seniors? Or are they just looking at them like they're garbage? Justin, I guess, I guess what I was saying about Stanley Morgan, I know he's not a senior, but he is obviously a leader on the team because you're right. He, he is a leader by default because we don't have any senior leadership. I mean, we have you know Chris Jones and Josh Kalu. I mean, he is a leader on that offense. On the offensive side of the ball, he is a leader. 
and he's brought that to himself. And he goes out and he makes a huge mistake in Florida. It's it's very hard. It's very hard to try to come off as a leader when you have this many flaws. Okay, well, well I'm depressed. Yeah, go ahead, Derek. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess, I mean, when you talk about the huge mistake he made in in Florida, I I, I think the fact that the amount of weed that he had on him was almost a felony for him. I mean, that, <laughs> that right. makes it God, that makes, easy then. That, I mean, but it, but it's but that's a huge mistake. And I guess the amount of weed probably shouldn't matter as much, maybe. But it does seem funny that I mean, he he was like very lucky he did not get a felony. Where Keyshawn barely had anything on him. I mean, he had like I think it was like four grams. I mean, it, it was nothing. I mean. But at the same time, you got you got the same punishment, I guess. <laughs> I think so if I, you follow the rules, though, Stanley Morgan was it was a felony offense. I mean, even though it was just a fraction over the felony limit. Well, and and, and, and and let's look at it this way. I mean, the fact that they did drop it helps yeah. Nebraska because if it, if it's a felony, he's spending jail time, and we probably don't have him on the team for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that would be so. So my my final question to you guys is: with this whole Keyshawn Junior story, and I I know this is pure speculation, but we've had twenty four hours to digest it. How much of him leaving the team is Mike Riley and the coaches, and how much was his dad? What do you I, I what are your guys' thoughts on that? I, I guess I I would hope that the coaches had enough cojones to stand up to Keyshawn and say, this is what we think we need to do. But by the sounds of it, it's really mostly Keyshawn senior saying, this is what we need to do. Yeah. Well, Keyshawn senior knows his son a hell of a lot more than Mike Riley and the staff. The Mike Riley and the staff have been around him very little over the last six months coming in. They have had very little access I would defer to Keyshawn Senior. He knows what his son he feels as a parent that he knows that he's taught his son the difference between right and wrong and knows that his son is better than what he's shown. Well, I understand that, but at this point in the time, it's up to the coaches to start saying, Okay, this is this is our kid to deal with and we need to figure out the disciplinary action, not call daddy and say, Hey, what do we need to do? Because they are the father figures, you would expect them to do that. Maybe they've done all they can, and now it's up to him. I mean, I wish him well. We'll see what happens. But let's move on to some good news here. Uh, we got some recruiting news uh, with a four-star wide receiver coming in. Uh, commitment, uh, Joshua Moore. How big is this, Tyler? This has to be a huge get for Nebraska. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, and you said four-star, and, and that, that doesn't even sound like it's doing it justice. Um I mean, this is a kid who is borderline, may end up being a five-star prospect. I mean, you know, we, we are a big, big fan of uh, Boogie coming into town. Uh, and, and and obviously, I, I, I've seen his film, and I'm a huge fan of him. But Joshua Moore is now our best prospect we have. I mean, he's 65th in the country. Uh, he, he's a top 15 wide receiver. Um, he's athletic. I mean, there are people that think he's the most athletic wide receiver prospect out of this class. And, you know, the way he goes for the ball, and there's a lot of things from the film you like. And, and you know, the thing you're looking at him and, and not, and 
there's a lot of things you say, but you look at the character of the man, you know, the way he went through his commitment process. And, you know, I, I will say for all of our recruits this year, the videos have been so great. I mean, these guys, they're, they're, they're not into this Hollywood thing that they're, they have these really, you know, grounded reasons for wanting to succeed, whether it be family or, you know, and, and Joshua Moore's thing is, is his brother passed away. Um, they have these grounded reasons for success. And I truly believe you take all the talent in the world, but you have a guy who's motivated to do something because of that core value that pays dividends for the football team. And, and I, I obviously a huge prospect, but this, this is a game changer. I mean, he's a guy who could come in and be that explosive wide receiver in two years that we need. Justin, you have anything to add? Nope. Nope. I guess not. I don't. I guess Justin doesn't have anything to add. I do. I do. I do. I promise. Hey, so he's listed at six one and one hundred fifty six pounds. You're talking about his highlights, right? And he is. uh, What What surprised me about his highlights is his uh, the power that he has because he played both sides of the ball, and uh, he laid some in his highlight reel. He was laying some hits from cornerback position. He was going up for the ball, intercepting, and even catching it, you know, downfield. He would lower his shoulder and just run over safeties. I mean, it was like Derek would appreciate this. It was like Eric Crouch all over again, laying into that DB. Against Iowa. Yeah. (laughs) With with four minutes left and, like, uh, up 52 to 7. But, hey, it is what it is. I've seen that play. It's still on YouTube. So, okay, so is the Eric Fuller decommitment or go, going away from Eric Fuller, does that have anything to do with the Joshua Moore? Do you guys think? I mean, is it, I is don't it, think is so. it related at all or is it just? I look at this class and I think we need four wide receivers. And when Joshua Moore committed, it, assuming Eric Fuller was still in the mix, that put us at three. Without Cam Brown. And I think you look at this class, we need to bring in wide receiver talent more now than ever without Keyshawn Johnson Jr. We may need to get five wide receiver prospects. I, I think I, I don't think Eric Fuller and Joshua Moore are correlated. I, I think what will be interesting is do we find a prospect knowing that we need to bring in four five wide receivers at the caliber of an Eric Fuller? Um, I mean, we are obviously still in the hunt, but, you know, God, I mean, with Cam Brown decommitting, who knows where his head's at? We talked about that last week, but, um, you know, we, we, we need to go out there and still Keith Williams job isn't done yet. I mean, he needs to get a couple more guys uh, wide receiver still. Tyler, aren't you worried that this is uh, almost becoming like a, the recruiting for a seven on seven team? (laughs) I mean, that's, we're going out and we're getting these these great cornerbacks and lineback or running uh, DBs and wide receivers, and it's like they're recruiting for seven on seven. Where, where's the where's the rest of the meat? You know, where's the trenches? We need to get some yeah. quality guys in, especially on uh, the defensive line, right? Eh, I, I don't know about defensive line. I mean, we're going to be going to a three four. I mean, look at the who we have at defensive line. I mean. Really, every defensive lineman on the roster this year is going to be there another year. We brought in three defensive line uh, commits last year. Probably one or two of them will redshirt. Uh, you know, I, I think we're okay there. I mean, obviously, I think we probably need to bring in one. You, you know, the, the 707 is a great joke, and I think there's some validity to that. But I think 
it suits the needs of this team. We need wide receivers. We 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 do need DBs. I mean, you look at this job. You know, look who's leaving after this year: Jones, Kalu, uh, Williams. Uh, we're losing three senior DBs. I mean, we have very bad depth at wide receiver. I think this suits the need of what we need. I, I the position that I'm really starting to worry about. And Derek, you brought up with Greg uh, Simmons leaving. I think it was you, Derek. So I'm giving you credit if it wasn't. But uh, <laughs> it is is I linebacker. I, I think I think we we need to get out there and get one to two more linebackers. And I've heard very little buzz for linebacker play who we're in the run for right now. And and that that's the position group right now that I'm sitting there sitting, saying, God, is Bray is he going to go out there and land one of these one or two guys? In your opinion, Tyler, do you think that Bray's ha- has he done a terrible job, good job, fair job, average? How, how has he done on the recruiting trail, in your opinion? Oh, hell, I, I mean, that's a tough thing. I mean, Avery Roberts is an absolute great get last year. Um, I mean, he, he might be one of the top – I mean, he was one of the top 10 linebacker prospects. Um, you know, the thing that's going to be interesting, and I, I encourage all of us to pay attention to this, is we look at these linebackers. We're going to a 3-4. These defensive end commits that we may be going after – are they actually going to be defensive end guys? Or are they going to be linebackers at the next level? You look at Tate Wildman from Colorado, who we brought. Is he going to translate to the next level as a 4-3 defensive end? Or is he, in fact, a linebacker? Uh, you know, where, where do these guys come into play? Um, you know, we'll probably get into more of this next week. But, you know, we have um, we have some prospects coming into town next week. And I know Derek's got some, you know, some names on that. But... Um, or this week, and and this is going to be a big weekend for recruiting, and I wouldn't be shocked if we get a commit or two out of this weekend. Well, um, there are a lot of uh, questions, a lot of uh, excitement coming up. I know we have some visitors coming this weekend, so that'll be critical. Uh, The Friday Night Lights, we can go into a little bit more detail about that in future episodes, but right off the bat, what do you guys think as far, I mean, it must be working, right? Tyler? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think I think the, the the system is working. I mean, I again, you, I I think with Keyshawn Johnson, a lot of this goes to play. And I think the question, you know, Derek, I'll poise to you is that, you know, how much of this recruiting right now are we seeing the great boost, the great momentum, the fact that TJ Pledger is coming to Lincoln this weekend is one of the best running back prospects. You know, obviously, like I said, you know, a lot of names coming into town. How much of that's going to depend on this upcoming season? Well, I mean, absolutely. And if if we're in for a long season the way I'm starting to think we're going to be, it <laughs> could hit, take a big hit on this recruiting. Don't think that way. Uh, I mean, and as far as, I mean, we've, we're on a pretty good roll with recruiting, but we've also kind of taken some hits between like Cameron Brown and uh, Eric Fuller. And now Chris Blake just, just committed to UCLA. Who all the pundits gave a seven percent chance of going to UCLA. Nebraska had like a seventy-three percent chance of picking up this guy, and somehow we didn't do it. I and teach his own. He wanted to go out to the West Coast. Fine. Maybe we weren't pushing that hard anymore. And maybe I mean, we've maybe, got, maybe. And maybe we've maybe got we the ones. We, and maybe we've got the ones we need. So there's. I mean, maybe these guys fit with our system a lot more than the other ones that don't. So. Think positive, guys. The, the the only thing that scares me about the whole thing is the one the 
I, and I, I know we don't want to talk about the Friday Night Lights too long, but the one big uh, guy we got coming in is that Mike uh, Parsons, who was also committed to Penn State and decommitted, and now he's going to come visit Nebraska. But is that Chris Blight going to maybe try and pull him more towards UCLA as well? I mean, I, I don't know about that. I, I think Micah, you know, I, I read up a little bit on him. I mean, it, I honestly didn't even know if he was 2018, 19. I mean, everything I've heard, this guy is going to be a late sign, commit. I mean, I, I would be shocked to see his name go. But the 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 Twitterverse, the, you know, the people that really follow recruiting and the inside, there is a lot of buzz that there are at least one prospect, if not two, that they they might be silent commits at this point, and this might be what sets them over. I mean, this don't be surprised if we lead off next week's episode with a recruiting update again, because <laughs> it, it it would not shock me if this is a weekend that puts us not back in only in the top ten, but maybe catapults us to maybe being a top five recruiting class. Um, I mean, this this uh, Steve Whitlong, if you guys know him on Twitter, if he's one of the biggest recruiting experts in the country, he has highlighted this weekend. In the summer, as I, I believe he has one of the top recruit uh, camps that's going to be in the country. I mean, this this the uh, the talent that's going to be in Lincoln this weekend with all the crap with Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Everything Eric Fuller, Cam Brown, Cam Brown's going to be in town this weekend. All this stuff, uh, it, it's still this process. These coaches are still recruiting their butts off. Justin, if you have final word, what do you guys think about uh, what is the fan? attendance going to be next week i mean are the fans going to turn out in force and like really crank it to 11 for these uh recruits has anybody heard on what the the expected attendance is going to be is it going to be 10,000 20,000 I, th- I thought last year was about 15,000 for the big one and, and i would not be shocked if this is in that ballpark i i i would be shocked if 20 that sounds like a lot of people to go watch a football game I mean, hell, Derek won't even drive up there to watch it. <laughs> yeah, geez, Derek, why don't you drive up there? Yeah, be nice. Good experience. Birthday boy. All right. And uh, final uh, news. We go from the good news to – or from the bad news to the good news, probably in quotes, uh, to the neutral news. Uh, Bob Elliott, who used to be the Nebraska secondary coach, has stepped down for personal reasons. Uh, he got reassigned to a defensive consultant. So now we have Scott Booker coming in, who was a former Notre Dame uh, assistant coach. Uh, he's promoted to the secondary's coach. Derek, you kind of called it as far as uh, Elliott being uh, a consultant and, you know, since – since we had those student athletes coming back from Nicaragua, I'm sure the uh, coffee is probably going to be vastly improved. So, uh, what do you think about uh, Elliot's promotion, so to speak, or whatever it is? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it, from the moment we hired Scott Booker, I always thought it was a little fishy. Like, something was a little different that we hired this guy. But I'm I'm curious to know if this was something that the coaches knew all along that Bob Elliott was pretty much going to step down or, and maybe that's why they hired Scott Booker or was there something or, I mean, something had to happen, right? Like nobody really knows why he's stepping down. A lot of people are assuming health reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, I've heard some speculation that maybe his, his wife is not very healthy. Uh, it's all speculation. I have no clue. Yeah, until we get but, concrete evidence, yeah. Justin, go ahead. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with Derek here. I think it was a calculated move on the coach's part to bring in uh, Bob Elliott and then Scott Booker. I'm kind of, you know, I don't know if you believe in coincidences or anything, but, you know, both of these guys were at Notre Dame, both of them familiar with Bob Diaco. And I'm wondering if maybe Bob Elliott was just placed on the field during the spring just to aid in the uh, the teaching and the mentoring to the coaches and the players in the spring ball, and he had no intention at staying on full-time and turning it over to Scott Booker. And I would not be shocked if that was the case the entire time. Uh, it it kind of makes sense. We, we kind of doubted, you know, the uh, – just his physical ability to coach when after being at Notre Dame the last two years when he was just sitting, you know, in an analyst position. So it, I could see this coaching staff using that, making a calculated move like that. And I'm okay with it. I don't think it's going to hurt. I don't think it's going to hurt our safeties. Now this we're on our eighth safeties coach since 2010. I mean, it's now that the it's not a big all deal. done and everything, right? So the yeah, groundwork is all done now. Are things just touch up at this it, point? I don't think it's going to affect those guys back there. They're used to having a different coach every year. <laughs> You're probably placing well, bets on the side. Go ahead, Derek. Well, and Justin, I mean, you know, I think me and you had had this conversation a couple nights ago about the fact that this has got to do nothing but promote recruiting, right? Like this, this guy's got to be a better recruiter than the Bob Elliott. I mean, just 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 age alone, I think, probably helps recruiting. <laughs> I certainly think that uh, Scott Booker is going to uh, appeal to younger recruits than sixty-something uh, Bob Elliott. <laughs> well, I'll tell you about Bob Elliott. He might have been a guy that, if you were being raised by a grandmother. Woo, Bob Elliott, put him in there. He might be able to speak to those grandmothers to get him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, thing, a, he's a looker. You know, what, what I'll say about uh, Bob Elliott leaving on the recruiting aspect is, is that you're, you're probably right. Booker's definitely going to be an upgrade in that department. But, but well, I'm not concerned with recruiting right now. I want coaching. And, and Justin, I, I, you know, we talked last night briefly about this. And, you know, at first I was kind of like, yeah, I, you know, I could see that. Retrospect, you know, I would be shocked if Mike Riley hired Scott Booker thinking he is the heir apparent to Bob Elliott. I think he, Scott Booker was brought on to help with special teams. I think him getting put at safeties was kind of a point where what else are we going to do at this point? We're not going to grab another college safeties coach in June. That, that's not going to happen. So you, you almost, I think he got put there by default. Now, it doesn't mean he can't do the job. But I think the coaching intellect in that room took a hit with Bob Elliott leaving. And, and in whatever capacity he's out, I think that's going to negatively affect it. You brought up the safety changes. We've got to win this year. Our secondary was the position I was most excited about with the coaches and the talent we have. Bob Elliott leaving is going to negatively affect that. How much, I don't know, but... I think that is a hurt to our team. And now the thing why I'm more concerned about the season. Justin, you have a final word. You say that it takes a hurt in the coach's room. He's still on as a defensive analyst. He's still in the coaching room analyzing, you know, all of that things. I don't think that's not going to go away. He's just not on the field coaching the players. So I, I'm not necessarily he, sure that they take that much to, of a hurt. Is he going to be teaching the players? 
Yeah, he may no. break, he may break down film. He may say, "Hey, well, look at this team. I see this and this, and that might help with game planning." But when it comes to teaching the players, when it comes to looking at some of these young safeties that we have on the roster, um, you know, we're we're good next year. But is, who's going to be the one to teach them? Is it? I mean, I'm pretty sure the I, installation is all done, though. So at this point, it's just game preparation, and I, I you know, I don't, I'm not seeing the the urgency here at all. I mean, so if, if, if Bob Diaco, and, and this is extreme, if he were to set aside as a defensive analyst, you know, we've heard how good a teacher you guys would all sit there and say, yeah, that's going, if he's not spending time with these players, that's going to hurt. If Keith Williams was now a wide receiving analyst and he's breaking down offensive film, his skill set is teaching the kids. That was Bob Elliott. He was a teacher. But he hasn't done it the last two years, even at Notre Dame. He's been sitting up in, in a coach's room, in quotes. I mean, I, he's still available for all the coaches. He's still available for Dante Williams and Scott Booker. He's not going away. They don't lose that resource. The players lose him as a resource. And more importantly, he will be able to serve that Nicaraguan coffee we just got from Nicaragua. All right, and that (laughs) is going to do it here at the CuzCast. If you want to hit us up, visit us on our Facebook page and follow us on Podbean and Twitter. We're also available on iTunes. Don't forget to like us and write a review. Help us get lots of likes and lots of ratings. Email us at huskercuzcast at yahoo.com for comments, questions, suggestions on topics for future episodes, praise, more praise, or trolls to your heart's content. Especially email us at that huskercuscast at yahoo.com and Twitter us because it is Derek's birthday today. Happy birthday, Derek. Happy yeah, birthday. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Uh, Phil Steele's preview is coming out this week. You guys getting it? Absolutely. Hell yes. There you go. I'm waiting outside. I'm waiting outside Walmart waiting for it. A must buy. I'm definitely going to Barnes and Noble this Friday to get it. And uh, we're going to see you next Wednesday. Until then, as always, go big race.